Welcome to our Sunday Sermon Podcast with City Harvest AG Church. Wherever you are in life, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here at City Harvest, we believe in the undiluted Word of God and the teachings here will enhance your understanding of the Scripture and will help you grow and mature as a Christian. So we hope and pray that you will be blessed by this sermon. Today's sermon is brought to us by Pastor Shine Thomas. Are you going through a severe trial in your life and you don't understand why you're going through that situation? You don't understand what is happening to you? You look back and ask, Lord, what have I done to deserve such kind of treatment? What did I do that my friends have cheated me or I'm going through this distress in my life? I started out with good interest, but things have turned out bad. The fact of the matter is, that we all want to get out of difficulty, pain, troubles, and have freedom uh, from trials and from all the things that we are going through as quickly as possible. Dear friends, trials are a part of life. When you read the scripture, both from the Old Testament and New Testament, we understand that the trials of a man's life is a part and parcel of his life, and that is because of the fallen world that we are in, because of the sin that came into the garden. Everything from a flat tire to the death of a loved one, and every simple things that comes in between are a part of man's hardships and trials that we have to face. Job said in Job chapter 5 verse 7, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. In the New Testament, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world, you will have trouble. But he promises his presence to us in our troubles. So we all have troubles of various kinds. And a Christian has some added troubles than the non-Christians. Can I tell you what are the added troubles? the hostility of a world towards the gospel. The moment you are living out the gospel, the moment you are preaching the gospel and witnessing the gospel, your troubles are added than the worldly people. You have a hostile world, an evil world that is always hostile to the kingdom of God and that is an added trouble that we go through as Christians in our Christian life. So I want you to open your Bibles to James chapter 5. And today we'll be looking at verse 7 through 11. And I've titled the message, Patient in Trials. That's what James is teaching us over here. Be patient in trials. Now, I want you to physically open your Bibles. If you've got your Bibles or your phones or tabs and keep your Bible open as we are going to flip over this episode and see the perspective from James' perspective and understand what he's talking to us over here. So now, James, if you really read these five chapters, he, can, he gives us the list of troubles the first century Christians are going through. What is the context? Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He ascended to God the Father and promised the uh, Holy Spirit upon his people. And the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and the church was formed. And the Mormon church was formed, until then, they were a part and parcel of the Jewish community. They were part and parcel of the temple system and everything. But the moment the Holy Spirit came and the church was formed, they started having a gap between Judaism and a new religion, a new way of life has formed called Christianity, the way of life. So what happened? The Jewish friends 
because most of the first century believers especially in acts of the apostles were Jews so they were treated lot of hostility by their Jewish friends the Jewish Christians were oppressed by the old testament torah following people or the Jewish community so they stopped giving them jobs they stopped accepting them they stopped doing trades with them so they were put into a lot of test and trials during the first and second and third century the christian church went through a lot of trials and to such a group of people you now the jews used to align with the roman government and somehow try to persecute and insult the new christians and tell them that they are not a part of us they are not a recognized religion so there was persecution so to such a church where jesus has gone to the father and the church is growing people are suffering various kinds of suffering people are being put to death because of the name of jesus james is writing to encourage people who are going through trials and persecution in the first century and there is a lot of lessons for us especially in today's situation you can see the crisis in afghanistan the people are somehow trying to go out of that country people are falling down like something falling from an aeroplane and people are just dying some are wanting uh, to get out of that country because of the taliban invasion and look at the humanitarian crisis around the world look at the crisis that we have received we are going through because of the corona pandemic look at the crisis of job loss and inflation and various kinds of sicknesses the world is going through right now and that message of the first century is very relevant to us even today if we read it in its context and understand and apply it to us so james in this five chapters is bringing out various kinds of trials these people are going through and i'm sure as i bring to you in your attention you will also be able to relate to that happening one or the other in your life so let us take this epistle as a whole and in chapter 1 and is verse onwards james gives us the various kinds of trials they are facing and the first one he mentions in chapter 1 and is verse 9 brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position so one of the trials that these people are going through is that they are being humiliated they have been forcefully humiliated and insulted because of their faith in the lord jesus christ can you relate to such an instance that you believed in jesus christ and your friends are insulting you your family is insulting you you have been looked down in your workplace because of your faith in the lord jesus christ are you going through some other insult or humiliation in your family or other situations of your life they went through that and then come to verse 12 blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life so they are going through severe testing of their faith their faith is being challenged and tested by the various things that are happening around them right in their personal lives in their family in the community in the workplace in their finances in every area you see these people were going through testing of their faith and are you going through that today is your faith being tested you are praying for a breakthrough you are looking to god for a change to come in your life you are committed your life for the lord but nothing is working out for you you are praying for certain things and it's not getting answered and your faith is being tested there's an answer on how 
how you can face your trials if it is testing of your faith. And then in verse 13, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So they are going through temptations of various kinds. That is another trial. Are you going through some temptations in your life? Temptations regarding your faith and temptations regarding some addictions, temptations to quit the faith of God, temptations to be angry at people. Are you going through some temptations? These people went through severe temptations as they were enduring the trial. Come to James chapter 2. In James chapter 2 and this verse 6, you can find the next mention. But you have insulted the poor. The poor Christians are being insulted by the community. Are you going through insult? Are you going through rejection? Are you going through loneliness? This letter relates to you. You should read this in whole and see the perspective what James is trying to bring to us. They are going through severe insult. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? They are going not only through insult, but they are being exploited. They are working at the end of the week. The boss will say, you have not worked enough. Your accuracy is not good. You have not fulfilled the target, so you are not getting the increment. Are you going through exploitation at workplace? COVID-19 pandemic, work from home, and your boss is trying to sh give you work from morning to night and not recognizing the trauma and the pain that you are going through in your home. They are not bothered. They say either you work or you quit. Exploitation. Are you going through that? The children of God went through exploitation and it relates to us even today morning. Amen. And then in James chapter 2 verse 9. In verse 9, James says, But if you show favoritism, they were the victims of partiality or favoritism. Are you looked down because of your color of the skin or the language that you speak or the caste that you are from or the country that you are from? Uh, the person sitting next to you is having a higher wage, but you are more qualified and doing more work, but you are getting less salary, exploitation and favoritism. Children of God went through that. And that's happening today. There are countries where there are people from various countries, they get a higher salary, but with the same job and same experience and same work, people from a third world countries get lesser salaries. It is exploitation, it's favoritism, which runs against the kingdom principle. And it happened in the first century and believers were subject to that. Come to James chapter 5. Then he comes and concludes that again in the 5, uh, talking about the various kinds of trials they're going through. In James chapter 5, verse 4, look the wages you failed to pay the workers. You're working, but you're not getting your salary. You are due for a promotion, you're due for an increment, but they're not favoring you because even though you are faithful and doing the right thing, it goes to somebody because they behaved in a way that is displeasing to God. They were showing favoritism and you are becoming the victims of that. And then come to 5 verse 6. You have condemned and murdered innocent men. This is an admonition to the rich in the society. They have the money to do anything they want. They can condemn people. They can go even to the extent of murdering people and getting away with murder. Are you going through such a situation in your life? The first century people went through that. Come to uh, chapter 5 verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? There's a lot of trouble. You can add any of your trouble into that and say, this is for me. 
Are you in any kind of trouble because of this world and because of your faith? And then come to another kind of trial in verse 14. Is any one of you sick? We can go through trials because of sickness. We can go through difficulties because of sickness. I heard a real incident two weeks back of somebody who had not taken the COVID vaccination because of the controversies that is so-called happening in the Christian realm. And there are sort of good believers who are not taking the vaccination. I'm not advocating vaccination. But then he contracted COVID, spent more than 10 lakhs in treatment, and at the end of the day, he passed away. His wife not taken the vaccination, and she is admitted with COVID. Another expense of money. Children are affected with COVID. And you see the various kinds of trials that we go through because of this world, including the sickness. So this is what is mentioned, trials of many kinds in the book of James. And what are some of the wrong responses to the trials? When you go through a trial, any trial that you're going through, if you can relate to this or anything else that is happening in your life, what are some of the wrong ways you can respond to it? James gives us the wrong ways people respond in trials. Come to James chapter 5 verse 7. It says, be patient. So the other way of responding to trial, the wrong way of responding to trial is to be impatient. Lord, I don't know how long I can endure this. I'm losing my patience and you lose your patience and you do up things because of lack of patience, right? So if you lack patience, that is the wrong way to respond to your trial. You may tell how long, but do you know that God is in control and God has a right time for your deliverance? Hold on, be patient. And then another wrong way of responding to your trial is in verse 9. Don't grumble. That's why I told you, when you go through your trial, look at your lips, look at your thoughts, how it is leading you. Don't, your speech is very important. In verse 12, elsewhere in James, he talks about the speech and he brings beautiful wisdom like the Proverbs wisdom into the New Testament church. So it look at you, how you use your tongue. Are you using your tongue in the right way in your trial? Are you getting bitter? Are you grumbling against people? Are you swearing an oath? Are you getting impatient? These are all the wrong ways to respond when trials come in our lives. And what is the right way to respond in trial? What is the right way? You're going through a trial, pastor. What is the right way to respond to a trial? Look at what the scripture says in verse 7. He starts, be patient. That's the only way. We just got one way to respond to trial, to humble ourselves under the arms of God, under the wings of God, and be patiently enduring till the trial is over. That's all. And that's the key. Four times at least, James is telling in verse 7 to 12 about the word patience. In verse 7, it says, be patient. And look at verse 7, the second part. How patient the farmer is waiting for the rain. Second time James is talking about patience. And come to verse 10. It says, as an example of patient brothers. Three times he's talking about patience in this passage. So the key for us to overcome our trials is patience. Can you shout loud, patience. Okay? We all need more patience in our trials of life. Charles Spurgeon said like this, Patience saves a man from great deal of haste and foolishness. I repeat it again. Patience saves a man from great deal of haste and foolishness. Don't be impatient. 
wait for God to move. I've had situations in my life, gone through various trials and gone through various decision-making process. My mind says, do this. My mind says, act this. But at the end of the day, I have learned to trust in the mighty wings of God and I've seen God take over my situation and God do it more beautifully than I can ever imagine or think. My dear child of God, if you are going through pain, uncertainty, you are going through a crossroad in life, my exhortation to you in the Lord is to be patient in the presence of God. Amen. God is in control over your life. And God will bring his purpose to fruition in his right time. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen. So the next part of the message, I want to concentrate on how to develop patience as per what James is advising us over here. How can we develop patience based on this passage? Number one, anticipate the Lord's coming. When you look at the Lord's coming, you're taking your perspective from the trials that you're going through and your eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when you focus on that, you can patiently endure day-to-day trials of this world. James chapter 5 verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Jesus Christ is real. He was God, but he became flesh to identify with us. And he literally, physically, he came into this world being 100% God. He was also a 100% man. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He walked through the streets of Palestine. He went up and down in the temple, Galilee to Jerusalem. He went and ministered and did the work of God the Father. And for no fault of his, he voluntarily gave himself up to be arrested. It was not that the people caught him, but he said when they came to arrest him, whom do you want? They said, Jesus. He said, I am he. And he gave himself to be arrested and he voluntarily gave up his life on the cross of Calvary. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. Jesus is a living God and he rose again on the third day and then he ascended to God the Father. My Jesus is living even today. He is in control over the situation of our life and Jesus is coming back again to receive us in his kingdom. Amen. If I have this faith, if I believe in Jesus, I can look at my troubles and I can be patient because Jesus is coming. Things are not going to be like this forever. He will reverse every wrong. He will reverse every injustice. And this is not our permanent life. We have 70, 80, 90 years in this world. But when Jesus comes back again, we will receive a glorified body. And forever, we will reign with him. There is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. Forever, with all perfection, we will be with Jesus. Jesus is coming back again. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen. Question. Are you living every day in anticipation of the coming of Christ? When you go to your work, when you are at your home, when you go through trials of various kinds, are you living in the anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the hope of the church and that is the hope for us even today. Romans chapter 8 and this verse 18 says, 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Have a heavenly perspective. First John chapter 3, verse 3, all those who have this hope in him purify themselves. They are very careful on how they live. Even in trials, they don't give opportunity for grumbling and getting bitter at people, bitter at God. Why? Because if you have the hope of the coming of Jesus, it will reflect in the way you live every day. It will reflect on how you handle the remote of the TV. It will reflect on how you handle your phones and gadgets. It will reflect on where you put your investments in. It will reflect on who your friends are. It will reflect on how you expend your time and money and resources and talents. Because if you have a heavenly perspective, everything in earth will have a different look. You look at it from a heavenly perspective. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, silver will be corroded and gold of this world will be wiped away. And Peter says that since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people we ought to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. James says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. When did he say? AD 60, 65. That means it is so near. And some of may question that why is that Christ has not come even after 2000 years? Is he really going to come? Many Pentecostals, many believers, many Christians are sleeping thinking that, oh, Jesus did not come and I don't think it's a reality. What James is meaning is from the first century, even till today, Christians should live every day in the anticipation of his coming. He may come anytime and you should live every day as if Christ is coming today. And James gives us an example on how to patiently wait for Jesus. Come to chapter 5 verse 7 and the second part. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield this valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. So look at the farmer. He plants, he tills the land, puts the fertilizer in, plants the seed, and when the seed is germinating, he can't see anything on the outside, but he's still working. He's still working because he has the faith that the seed will germinate, right? So even though you don't see anything happening, God wants us to keep on working. And finally, when the seed germinates, he has to do a lot of work, take out the weeds and plow the land and put fertilizer at the right time, put in the water that is needed for this plant. And then he has to wait for the right climate conditions, right weather, former rain, latter rain. So there are certain things that are in his control and there are certain things that are beyond his control. So he doesn't worry about things that are beyond his control. He is busy in doing what is in his control. So as you are waiting patiently for the Lord, 
you should be busy doing what is in your control. Many Christians wait for the perfect time to work for the Lord, to take care of the family. If I had this, I could have done that. But what are you doing as you are waiting for that? That's what the farmer teaches us. Keep working. Harvest will definitely come. Give things that are beyond your control into the hands of God. Keep working. Keep pursuing kingdom. Keep running your Christian race. And at the right time, the harvest will come. Jesus Christ rose again as the first fruits of the dead. And when he comes back again, the dead will rise from the dead. And we who are alive will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye to meet our Lord. That's what the Bible says. But till that day, I will be patient and I will be working and I will be busy in my master's vineyard. Amen. Don't be lethargic. Don't compromise. Hallelujah. Don't give away your Christian responsibilities. Be engaged in the work of the Lord. Be engaged in the great commission. Be engaged in witnessing for the Lord. We are far too comfortable where we are. God has a plan for you, my dear friends. Jesus will come anytime and we need to be prepared for that. Are you ready for the coming of Jesus? When I was growing up, I was in Calcutta. In Calcutta, I was in a school called Kendri Vidyalaya Fort William, a school built by the Britishers. It was a British fort covered by in the bank of the Hooghly River and they had given a channel to that fort covered by streams so that the enemies could not attack that fort. In one of the rooms in that fort, built very long back, was my classroom. Amazing memories of growing up in Calcutta. So in between the classes, we guys were a little naughty growing up. We used to play table tennis. We don't have time. The teacher is supposed to come five minutes before the next class is over. But sometimes the teachers will take 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And we capitalize on that time. So we will have rackets in our bag. The moment the teacher leaves, we will put four desks together and we will start our TT. And the moment we, somebody sees the teacher coming, everything is arranged and we are seated, right? It is before salvation as a child, right? Yeah. So one day that we were playing and teacher is standing at the door. Unexpectedly she came. She made a stand outside the class for that. And four of us were standing outside, putting our head in shame. Not done with that. She called our parents to deal with us. And I don't want this to happen to any of us when Christ comes back. He's coming back again. Are you involved in his work? Are you involved in serving God? Are you involved in prayer and the fulfilling the great commission? It is a call for every one of us, my dear friends. Where is your passion for the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ is coming. Live in expectation of his coming. I don't have time to explain the remaining points. The second one is to recognize the Lord's judgment. James chapter 5 verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So James is telling us that when Jesus comes, he's coming as a judge. And I don't want to be caught up doing something for which I will be punished or judged by God. 
right? Held accountable by God. So one of the things that I will be held accountable is my grumbling or the way I live. So even though I go through pain and difficulty and situations of my life, I want to be very careful so that when Christ comes, he is going to reward me because he's a judge who is coming. I will be rewarded, not judged for my wrong. So as I'm going through this life of pain and sorrow and difficulties and trials, I need to live a very careful life, very calculative life, how it is going to help me in eternity, how this friendship is going to benefit me, how this investment is going to benefit me. Do you ever think about it when you do an investment? How is it going to help me in my eternity? And ever thought about eternity? And James says, the judge is standing at the door. I hope some of you would have gone to some courts uh, where uh, some cases are dealt with. What happens? The judge sits on a high-raised platform. And now I've seen in the courtrooms that the judge comes through one side of the race platform. But in James's time, in Jesus' time or the first century, the judge would come from the main door. Okay? And before even the judge could come, there are the lawyers from both sides. There are the opponents from both sides. And the clerks are already sitting on the desk. The table is arranged. And the witnesses from both parties are already sitting in the hall. And when the judge comes, nobody is creating a commotion. Everybody is waiting for the time when the judge will come and start the proceedings in the court. And the moment the judge comes, everybody will stand up in respect. And what does James tell about Jesus as a judge? The judge is standing at the door. In other words, he is about to enter. His hand is on the handle. Christ is about to come back again. And we should be living in fear so that we will be rewarded in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ comes, I don't want to be judged for my various ways of life. But I'm looking forward for the reward for my endurance in my trials in this life. Moving forward, James has not only given us Christ's example and the farmer's example, but James also gives us some examples of people who have really gone through trials. Follow the Lord's prophets or Lord's servants. That's the next one, how to be patient. Look at the Lord's servants, James chapter 5 verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Look at the prophets of the Old Testament. James is telling. When James wrote, there was no New Testament literature. Maybe some letters were going here and there. Some letters of Paul and one or two Gospels were going, doing rounds. But they did not have a compiled New Testament. All the scripture was the Old Testament scripture. So he's telling, look at the prophets of the Old Testament. Look at all the people until John the Baptist, who is a prophet. And look at what happened to the life and how they faced trials. And read their lives and look at that. And when you read that, you will be encouraged on how to face your trials. You have some wonderful examples of heroes who have gone before you. Remember, David was haunted by Saul. Elijah's life was sought by Ahab and Jezebel. If you read the book of James, you will find James himself giving three examples of Abraham and uh, then he talks about Elijah and then he talks about Job's perseverance in his trials. 
And then if you flip over the pages of the Old Testament, you can find Jeremiah constantly being persecuted. He was put into stocks in Jeremiah 20. He was put into a miry pit in Jeremiah 28. He was thrown into a prison in Jeremiah 32. Ezekiel's wife died in order to make a statement to the people what God was about to do to them. Daniel was deported. Daniel was put in lion's den. Look at the pain and the trials they went through. Hosea's marriage was a disaster and was betrayed by his wife as an example to Israel. John the Baptist for speaking the truth. He was beheaded and cut short from his life. Look at the encouragement you receive from the prophets. Read their life when you're going through pain. Are you going through suffering? Take one of the prophets and study their life. And you see how the Lord ministers to us in our trials, looking at the heroes that have gone before us. And Hebrews writes to, says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 37, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies women received back the dead raised to life again there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain on an even better resurrection some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. Why do we have these heroes in the Bible? So that we can be encouraged in our Christian walk. And Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 finally says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I would say, when you're going through a trial, look at the biblical heroes. But that's not alone. You can also have some good heroes of faith in living among us. Go talk to them. There are some genuine Christians around. There are some genuine men of God around. And when you are going through a trial, go and talk to them. You see how God will minister to you. You do not know what to do. You are about to take a decision. Go talk to a servant of God. Go talk to a man who is mature in faith. They are the heroes that God has given to us right in front of our eyes. You are not alone when you go through trials in your life. And the fourth one, is to realize the Lord's purpose in our trials. James chapter 5 verse 11. As you know, we count as blessed those who are persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought out. You see the life of Job. I don't have to explain to you. Last year I spoke to you elaborately on all the chapters of Job. The message is on online. You can go and watch it. But Job was inflicted for no fault of his. He was given permission not to touch his life, but to touch everything around him. Lost his family, children, property, servants, everything. And he was inflicted with a serious wound on his uh, boils on his body. He had to move out of his house and 
Even his wife cursed him and he said, go and curse God and die. Look at the severe trial that Job went through. He was sitting in ashes. His three friends came and they started telling Job, you are in this situation because of your own problem. That's all the world can do to us, right? When we go through a situation, they can point their fingers at us. We didn't choose this for you. It is your problem. You choose what you wanted. What can we do? We are also suffering with you. That's what the world says. And look at Job. He went through the same thing. But at the end of it, God restored Job. And he had words of faith when he went through that. He says, even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Look at his endurance. The worms destroy this body, Job said. Yet in my flesh I shall see God. He had a future eschatological expectation of the Lord that he's coming back. Okay, what was the expectation of the Old Testament? That the Messiah is coming, right, to rule. The expectation of the New Testament, Jesus is the Messiah. He's coming back again to rule. The same expectation, but only that Jesus has gone and come back again for the second time. And look at the end of Job's suffering after God restored his uh, life and brought back everything that he lost. Job chapter 42 verse 5. My ears had heard of you, but my now eyes have seen you. Earlier he only knew about God by hearing. But after going through the suffering and pain and trials in life, Job says, I've seen you, Lord. I've seen you. Look at the purpose. And what was the purpose of Job's suffering? The pain, the agony, the loss that he went through, the delay that he went through. It was testing his faith, to strengthen his faith. It was a proof to Satan that here is a righteous man. When you stand strong in your trials, the kingdom of the devil shudders because they see a righteous man suffering, enduring pain in difficulties of life. And Job was finally blessed to increase his blessing. And the blessings is coming when Jesus comes back again. And fifthly, understand the Lord's character. I do not have time to explain all this. You can go and meditate and develop on it. Understand the Lord's character when you go through suffering. In chapter 5, James says, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. When man goes through suffering, the first question comes is, Lord, are you not looking at me? Are you a distant landlord? Are you away from me? Why is this happening to me? Don't you understand what is happening to me? Don't you understand my struggles? But James is giving us a different perspective. He's telling that, my Lord is compassionate about your situation. Dear friend, are you going through a challenge? And you feel that nobody understands and even God is far and I can't sense anything? God is watching over you. God is compassionate about you. He is merciful full of tender mercies and kindness towards you. You may not sense it in your trial. You may be very overwhelmed by the pit where you are in. But my God is right there. You don't have to be afraid. He is in absolute control over your life. Can you trust this God today? No matter what situation, trials you are going through, my God is compassionate. Understand his character. See how he revealed himself to Moses and the children of Israel. The Lord, Lord, compassionate God, God full of mercy. What a God he is. He's compassionate. You are wondered about what is going to happen about tomorrow. How things will all end up. 
but the Lord is compassionate. He knows tomorrow better than today. Commit your worries into the hands of God. If you walk out of this church or one day as you're walking out of your office, somebody comes up with a knife towards you, what will you be doing? You will be afraid, right? You will run for your life. You do not know what is happening, whether you will die right now. But do you know that when patients are given in for operation and they go to the operation table, the surgeon takes the knife and that knife is healing for that patient. It is for good. And the patient never runs away from the OT. And when we go through pain and suffering in our lives, God is working in us. We don't have to be afraid of the rod that God is using sometimes. We don't have to be afraid of the test that God is leading us through or the pain or the suffering. It is for our good. It has an eternal purpose. And most of it, you will only realize when you reach eternity in the presence of God. Amen? What are we going to do? Develop patience in our trials. And I want to conclude this message by telling you from the same book, what are the purpose of the trials? Come to James chapter 1 and it's verse 2 to 6. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Whatever your trials, you can put it into this. And be joyful. Not for the trial, but the joy in the Lord. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So it is producing something. Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lack anything. So God is maturing you, completing you so that you will be without lack and he is preparing you. Understand, this is the purpose. And so what you should do? You don't understand anything? Verse 5. If any one of you lacks wisdom, ask God. You do not know what is the wisdom in this trials, Lord? Why this delay? Why job loss? Why loss in my life? Why somebody died in my life? I didn't know. Unexpectedly, my loved one died. It is painful. Words cannot express that. But you seek God and he will give you. If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when you ask, he must believe and not doubt. Verse 6. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The next purpose of trial is in verse 9. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. In this world, you may be humbled. In this world, you may lose positions. You may be humiliated. But as you are going through that, you are held in a high position in the presence of God. You are seated on the heavenly places. Consider that when you go through pain and sufferings. And then verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You have a reward. You have a crown waiting for you at the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is it that you need to strengthen up yourself and pursue and continue the good work that you're doing in the Lord. Are you zealous for God? Are you working for the Lord? Are you going through suffering? Are you going through oppression? 
Do you need to develop patience? Come it in the hands of God and tell it was me that you spoke to today. Amen. Now be real. Open your real self in the presence of God and tell God, I put myself in that position and I am going to be patient. I know that there's a purpose behind it and give me the grace to endure for the trials of my life. Forgive me for my grumbling, for my bitterness, my impatience. Cleanse me from my sins. I don't want to be judged, but I want to be rewarded for every trouble that I go through. I know that you're working wonderful work for me and I believe it in Jesus' name.